often people, especially when they're sort of in a place of struggling with their boundaries, what's happening is they're trying to set boundaries and it leads to conflict. So it feels like this is like it almost doesn't make sense when we say, oh, you'll have better relationships (laughs) when you can set boundaries, because that's not what people are experiencing. They're like, this is just leading to fights and yelling at each other. And so it's better if I don't set boundaries, I'll just keep my mouth shut, right? Then at least there's peace. But I, you know, I would ask people to really think about whether that is a satisfying relationship for you if you feel like you just need to keep your mouth shut and not set any limits with somebody. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's actually a satisfying relationship. Hi, I'm Biz Kush a life coach and therapist, and your host here on the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. We're talking to women all over the world who found their way back to themselves, to their inner knowing, to their intuition, to their wisest self. We're exploring how to feel alive, authentic, engaged, and fully present in your life. Let's awaken your wise woman. Welcome back to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. I'm your host, Biz Kush, and I'm so excited that you're here with me today and appreciative of you following the podcast on whatever podcast player, if you do, or being a subscriber of my newsletter, which also gives you updates on the podcast as well. I appreciate you being a part of this journey with me. And it's always an adventure podcasting. I feel as if between the technology and whether there's a good connection with the guest and the material, I never know. I think all the conversations are great, but you never know what might happen (laughs) during my conversation a few months ago with Kristen Neff. She had a coyote walk through or a mountain lion, something walk through her yard, and she had to pause to marvel at this creature in her backyard that she'd never seen before. In other conversations, I've had a coughing fit where I had to pause and edit the audio because something got stuck in my throat. And in this interview today with Sharon, I could not get my microphone to connect. I couldn't figure it out. We logged in and out of Zoom multiple times. The microphone just wasn't picking up. Well, did a little problem solving after talking to her. I still couldn't get it to connect and was feeling very frustrated about that. It's a good mic. I could figure out what could be wrong. Turns out the microphone was turned off. Even though there was a little blue light saying it had power, the on-off switch had gotten knocked to off. Go figure. So the audio quality may not be the best on my end. Sharon, of course, had a lovely microphone and I didn't. I used my (laughs) earbuds from Apple and that little microphone. So hopefully it's good enough. The conversation was great. So any audio flaws, hopefully you can overlook. And my sound engineer is amazing. So Laura will fix it up so it sounds lovely. So if you'd like a chance to work with me for free, you can apply for a free coaching session. I'm taking applications through the end of February of 2022. 
and you can apply and maybe you'll get picked. Maybe you'll get to work with me for 90 minutes on a topic of your choice. Maybe it's a life transition. Maybe it is working on being more compassionate with yourself. Maybe it's about learning how to recognize and empower you to have healthier boundaries. Maybe it's around learning how to really tune into yourself so that you are taking the best care of you and allowing your intuition and trust in yourself to flourish and grow. I would love to work with you. I hope that you will sign up. So if you go to elizabethcushcoaching.com, you can find the link at the in the banner of the homepage. So on a mobile device, it's, it says right there, apply for a free session. On the webpage, if you're using a computer or a, I don't know what it looks like on an iPad, but on a computer, there's a link that says apply for a free session. So if you're interested, please fill that out. Limited time only. Again, it's a 90-minute deep dive session with you on a topic that feels important to you. So Sharon and I today are talking about boundaries. And towards the end of the conversation, we discuss how boundaries really help you feel more powerful and empowered in your relationship. So I hope you'll stay tuned for the whole conversation with Sharon. Uh, We are talking about her book, but just about boundaries in our lives and when it's been hard for us and what we, how we've moved forward to being better able to recognize our own boundaries and what matters for us. So Sharon's been on the podcast uh, in its former version, the Woman Warriors podcast, two other times, which I will include those links in the show notes. But today, I will give you a little background on Sharon. Sharon Martin is a licensed clinical social worker and a psychotherapist specializing in codependency recovery with an online practice serving California residents. For the past 20 years, she's been helping perfectionists and people pleasers overcome self-doubt and shame, embrace their imperfections, learn to set boundaries, and reclaim their self-worth. Sharon writes the blog, Conquering Codependency, for Psychology Today, and is the author of the CBT workbook for perfectionism and the Better Boundaries workbook, which we're going to be talking a little bit about today. If you want to order either of those books, the links to purchase them will also be in the show notes. But let's uh, jump into our conversation with Sharon. Hi, Sharon, and welcome to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. It's so nice to, I, I'm going to say, have you back, even though you have not been a part of this version of the podcast. You've been on the Woman Warriors podcast twice. Yes. Yes. Well, and I, you know, I was thinking about that before we started and I enjoyed our last conversation so much about speaking up about what you need. And I think it's such a great segue into talking about boundaries 
too. Yes. So yes, I'm I'm happy to be here and sort of expand on that and go a little deeper on some of those. Yes, yes, yes. Because they're so connected, identifying what you need, but being able to ask for your needs and to then set a boundary around whatever those needs might be. Mm -hmm. So for there probably are listeners who haven't listened to our other conversations, but we'll link to those in the show notes. But for those who don't know who you are, if you could share a little bit about yourself and your inspiration for helping others in the way that you do. Hmm. Well, thank you. Well, I am a psychotherapist in California and I've been in practice for, you know, over 20 years at this point. So I've been doing this a long time and I really love being a therapist. Um, That has been a, you know, a great source of satisfaction for me and really being able to work with people mostly one-on-one in a lot of different settings. Now I'm in private practice, but I've worked in mental health in a, in a lot of different capacities over the years. But I think one of the things that has sort of transformed over the years for me is both wanting to maybe sort of tap into some of my more creative parts and and use those in some different ways. You know, I think both in the therapy room, but outside, definitely. And part of that's been writing for me and, and doing some other creations. But the other piece has been that I have wanted to sort of extend who I can help when, you know, those of us that are therapists or coaches who primarily, again, work with people on an, on a one-to-one basis, right? We only have so many hours in the day, yeah. you know, and so that means we can only help so many people. Mm-hmm. And, and like, as satisfying as that is, right, there's also a sense of, wow, I'd really like to be able to share this with some more people. There's a lot of people who not only that I can't see personally, but who can't access therapy for a number of different reasons. And there are some other ways that I think that we can provide some help and some support and some resources. And so that's part of what I have, you know, sort of been moving towards over the last few years, especially with writing is being able to, you know, kind of get out information, you know, that I have, you know, developed and come to understand and learned over the years and being able to share that with more people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got two or more books. I mean, I know the Boundaries Work Better Boundaries Workbook is coming out soon. And then you have two other books as well, right? Well, I've got the um, the CBT workbook for oh, perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's the one I wrote a couple of years ago. I do have some some little eBooks on my website, okay. but those are the two sort of traditionally published physical books, books that we can yes, hold yes. on to like, as we were describing it. So nice to have a book to actually go back to. But so I follow you on social media and you and I have talked multiple times. So we've gotten to know each other. And in fact, I remember starting out in my private practice and feeling, you know, hearing through multiple sources that writing and having a blog was so important. And you, your blog was so inspirational for me in terms of how often you wrote and how often you were putting out content, putting out work. And I remember talking to you early on saying like, one, how do you do it? But two, give me some tips. And you were so gracious to help me and didn't charge me anything, which was really kind. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I feel like we've had a relationship over the years, which has been really nice. So I appreciate your willingness to be back here on the podcast to 
share your wisdom with our listeners. And today we are going to be talking about your new book, but also just about healthy boundaries and why they're so important and how we can get better at creating boundaries, holding our boundaries, knowing what boundaries we need. Yes, that is the question. Right? Not, not not always an easy answer. Yeah. You know, boundaries are complicated. I wish that I could just say, you know, here's the one size fits all answer. Mm. And even in the book, I do have some very specific steps to help people learn to set better boundaries. But even within that, the truth is, it's very individualized in terms of us figuring out what we need as individual people, my needs are going to be different than yours, which means the boundaries that I need to set are going to be different than somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that the way that we kind of struggle with setting those boundaries looks different for different people. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people who simply kind of avoid boundaries. Sure. They feel uncomfortable. Oftentimes people have had a negative response to they're trying to set boundaries. Somebody has been very angry with them or just sort of blown them off. And of course, when that happens, especially repeatedly, we can get into a mindset of like, what's the point? This doesn't even work. Yeah. And then for other people, they feel a lot of guilt mm -hmm. when they try to ask for something or to set a limit. And again, that's another way that we, we kind of end up in that place of just I don't think I want to do this. It's more trouble than it's work. I feel really bad when I do it. And then there are other people who I think almost use boundaries as a way to control or punish other people. Mm. And that's maybe sort of another end of that spectrum, but it's also not an effective way to set boundaries because that's not really the intent of boundaries. They aren't a means of trying to force other people to do what you want them to do. Even if you feel like that's coming from a place of, I need something, yeah. right? I mean, it, it's both a reality that we can't actually force people, but it's also not a positive relational experience. Um, the person that I'm setting a boundary with to feel like I am making them do something or there's a negative consequence or there's a lot of anger that's coming with that boundary instead of it truly being a request. Yeah. I might ask somebody to change their behavior, but that's all I can do is I can ask. I can't force it. Yeah. And again, when we do that, it tends to backfire. And that's another way that people end up feeling like, well, these, these boundaries just don't work. Mm -hmm. It ends up in an argument and there's a lot of conflict and wasn't the whole point of the boundary, you know, to get my needs met and to not have conflict with people. Yeah. And, and when they do work, that is what can happen. Yeah. But again, those are, they're just sort of different, different ways that people end up struggling with their boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I think one quote from your book that resonated so much for me, because I think it's kind of hard to describe exactly what boundaries are, because as you said, they're different for everybody, but two, but so what I love is you say uh, a boundary is a dividing line that defines who you are as an individual and how you you'll interact with others. Boundaries define what's me, my body, my feelings, my property, my responsibilities on and on. And what's not me boundaries also communicate how we want to be treated by others. What's okay. What's not okay with us 
how close we want to get physically and emotionally to others. So like, to me, it just feels so like, okay, this is me. This is what I need. This is you. This is what you need. And we can both have those needs and set those boundaries, but it doesn't mean there has to be, I mean, sometimes there'll be conflict, right? I mean, but we can still recognize that we have these boundaries to keep us safe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot in, in just that one piece that you mentioned there. Yeah. But I think most people do tend to think about the, the aspect of boundaries that's really limit setting. And that and that's an important piece of boundaries. And that's, you know, what I was talking about earlier. That's saying no, that's, you know, saying, hey, could you give me some time to myself? Those are limits, essentially. But but there's this other related piece, which is the way that boundaries help us maintain our sense of self right? That, that I am me component of it, which is also very important. But I think it's, it's harder to maybe see that in action, because it's not, it's not a clear statement that you're necessarily making. But, but it is this, you know, sort of healthy amount of separation. And I think of it, like in relationships, we want to be close to the people that we care about. But we can't be so close that we essentially like become one person or one unit. We want to still have our sense of um, independence and individuality. At least these these are certainly Western ideas about relationships. I, I shouldn't speak about every every relationship in every culture. Right. But this is the way that that we tend to think about healthy relationships is that there is this, this connection and ability to come together and feel emotional connection and physical connection with other people. But like I said, we're not sort of sort of swallowed up in that. So it's not that I have to agree with everything or I need to take on all of your feelings and problems and feel like they're mine or, you know, that I can have my own values and goals and I can kind of do my own thing and be my own person. And that's okay that we can still feel close without being enmeshed, that overly close state where there isn't that differentiation between who's who and who's responsible for what. And that's the other piece of, of this sort of identity piece is when, when it's clear that we're two separate people, then it's also clear who's responsible for what. Yeah. Even if this is as simple as something like household chores. Yeah. 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 Right. Because otherwise we kind of get into this state of, well, I don't know, you know, whose job that is. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's never been really clearly defined, or I don't know who's responsible for making the kid's dentist appointment right. because it looks like it's all lumped in together. And then we end up in a place of, sometimes blaming or just feeling responsible for things that really aren't our responsibility, our job, things that, you know, that we could control. Yeah. Yeah. Or feeling resentment, feeling like this is all, you know, it's all on us and, you know, nobody else is helping. And yeah, that, that there's the sense that I'm doing it all and nobody's. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big clue that, you need some better boundaries is when you're in that place of feeling resentful and overwhelmed and it's all too much. Either that's because you have sort of volunteered yourself 
yeah. you know, for too much. Or the, the, the other, you know, default is that you've, you know, accepted, you've sort of taken on the responsibility without there ever even being a conversation about whose job it is. Yeah. Um, it's just that's default is, you know, you think you have to do it all. Yeah. And, and again, there's a variety of reasons why we end up feeling that way. Absolutely. But definitely if, people are listening and feeling this sense of, oh my gosh, I have like so much on my to-do list or even just in your head. I think a lot of women just have a a constant list in their head of the things that they are responsible for that aren't even necessarily (laughs) actionable items. They're more, you know, I'm sort of generally worried about, you know, the well-being of other people or that this needs to get taken care of. And that's a big emotional load to carry. Oh my gosh. For sure. Definitely. Well, and so much, I think for women, at least a lot of the clients I work with, but too for myself, knowing that there are a lot of things that I worry about and sort of hold on to as my responsibility, air quotes, that I don't have any control over, that I really yeah. can't do much about other than worry. <laughs> and that mental load, I mean, I think what's helped me some through reading some of your stuff, but just recognizing you know, what are the things that I can do or what I have control over, whether it's my own behavior, doing things differently, letting things go, that's made a huge difference for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a, a couple of different ways that you can think about that in terms of boundaries. One again is, do you need to ask somebody else for help? But there's, there's also an element of, sort of setting this limit with yourself around the worry. Yes. And sometimes this is, you know, a technique that that we use with worry is really, you know, prescribing for people to limit how much time they spend worrying about something. It's not easy to do. I don't mean to suggest that simply saying, you know, I'm only going to think about this for 10 minutes is is what's going to happen, even if that's your intention. But, Mm. But it is an attempt it's you know putting a, a boundary around that uh, you know there's sort of a limit i'm not gonna i'm gonna try to corral that so that it doesn't permeate everything that i'm doing and i'm thinking about it all day long but maybe there's a designated time for me to do that right right i'm curious if you're willing to share some of your own experience of whether it's in writing or with your practice, like are there places where boundaries have been, or in family life, in your relationships, where boundaries have been harder for you to, like I find it harder to hold boundaries with family personally, but yeah, I don't know about you. Mm. Oh yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember if I've if I've mentioned this before here or not, but certainly um, I grew up very much you know, what I describe as a people pleaser of feeling like it was not okay to say no, that that was going to disappoint people. I think that was the biggest thing for me. It wasn't necessarily that people were going to be overtly angry, but I didn't want to disappoint people. There was a a big sense of needing to do the right thing and follow the rules and sort of be a good girl, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of element that that really informed a lot of the decisions that I was making, which then, you know, as, as you can imagine, leads, you know, leads to a place of not feeling comfortable saying no, 
<clears throat> right. And then taking on, you know, too many things, or I think for me, it was often things that I didn't really want to be doing. Uh, maybe it wasn't necessarily too many things, but it was just using my time and energy for things that weren't, you know, either that interesting to me or didn't really align with my goals or what was most important to me at that time. And that ends up feeling unfulfilling, mostly. And again, there's there's some element of resentment there. And then I definitely recognize looking back when my kids were little that I did not do a good job of asking for help, especially from my husband. I think it's probably, you know, the biggest place that that showed up. Mm-hmm. And again, carrying a lot of that resentment because he wasn't, you know, helping out as much as I needed him to, but I wasn't asking. Yeah. There was, again, a sense of both that I should be doing it all, like that was somehow my job. Mm. And then, and I'm not, I'm not proud about this aspect of it either, (laughs) (laughs) but there was an element of that my way was the right way. Um, And that, that's a, a way that I have gotten in my own way about setting boundaries and asking for help is being too rigid about what the help was going to look like. And this is sort of where I, you know, crosses over to my, you know, perfectionist tendencies. Perfectionism, it is perfectionism, but it's it's maybe not sort of in the, the classic sense that people think about it. Because I don't know that it was really thinking this is perfect. It was more that this was the way I wanted it to be done. And so there was that controlling element of, you know, my way is the right way. And if you're not going to do it my way, then don't bother. Right. And then I'm in this, this place of being resentful a lot of the time and overtired and that sense of overwhelm again comes in. Mm, yeah. So I definitely can see places where I needed to both be making those requests saying, I need this and setting limits and saying, I'm not available to do that. That's not something I'm interested in. That's not something that really fits with my schedule or whatever at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, like for me, I learned through, you know, watching my parents that the way to ask for what you needed was more through sort of passive aggressive suggestions or comments and I can remember very recently having a conversation with my husband about, I think it was about what we were going to have for lunch. And I made some comment about, you know, not eating chips because they're not healthy or something. And my husband was like, was that a passive aggressive way of telling me that I shouldn't? And it may be, I, I don't clearly remember what it was, but just his question of, are you directing that at me or are you really just talking to yourself? Mm-hmm. And right. like, I am still working on how to be more direct and clear about what my needs are in a kind, compassionate way versus an unclear and passive aggressive way, which is just doesn't leave, I don't feel good about it. And he doesn't feel good about it. Or, you know, even my children, same thing, right? Yeah, I can relate to that. I I think, I think a lot of us do more of that than we even realize. Yeah. I don't know, maybe we think we're making a suggestion or even being helpful at times, you know, with some of those things, but yes, there's sort of um, some anger underneath it. Yeah. Yeah, some yes, sense of yes. wanting to control their behavior in some way without actually saying it. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, sort of this, you know, we bring that back to that, the boundary conversation. It's like, you, you know, stay in your own lane is, is the way I think about that is focus on what you need and what you can control. And your husband's his own person. He wants to eat chips, let him eat chips, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's both like probably yeah. not um, an issue worth trying to get him to change about. And again, I think it's, and what right do you have really? Right, right. right. It's his body, a, right? Adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, so- that's, yeah, again, sort of respecting, you know, that he can make his own decisions, which I think kind of gets into another aspect of boundaries that is hard is is you know when somebody that you care about is doing something that you disagree with or you think is harmful and I'm not really talking on the scope of eating chips but you know sometimes yeah. it's really much more significant oh, you sure. know, risky of, behavior yeah right sure. right you know somebody's drinking too much or they're driving recklessly or you know something like that and you feel real concern about them and this gets to be a real sticky place with boundaries and figuring out where is your place in, you know, talking to that person about that, you know, making suggestions, making requests for them to change. And at what point do we need to accept that they are entitled to make their own decisions, even if we disagree? Yeah. And that is so, so hard. I think. I mean, especially as you said, people that we really care about, that we don't want them to, you know, we we want them to stay safe or we want them to be making what we consider the right decisions. Mm -hmm. It is hard. I find that especially in working with parents with teenagers, where the parents may be, you know, whether it's what they're choosing to wear to school. And I can remember this from my own kids raising them too sort of having a conversation with myself about like, what battles do I really want to, what's really important, right? Well, no drinking and driving, right? That wasn't like, there was no, and if they did it, then there were consequences. There were boundaries that were then set for them if they couldn't. But, you know, if my son decided he wanted to dye his hair green, I was like, all right, if that's what feels right for you in this moment, that's a boundary that maybe I would have tried to hold up at one point, but was willing to say it's not, yeah, it's not ultimately worth the argument. Yeah, and, and you're you're talking about a couple of different really important parts. One is the way that our boundaries need to shift with our children as they get older. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, maybe that is something that when they were small. What you know, the boundary would have looked different. Sure. You don't let you know five year olds do the same thing as 15 year olds. Absolutely. And there's this again, what we would generally say is a healthy thing for you to let your teenager start to express who he is, right? That's cultivating that boundary for him to have his own identity and it not to. He doesn't have to do everything you agree with or have the same values or want to do the same things, right? This is a both a natural and healthy thing for kids to be able to separate, again, both emotionally and physically eventually from their parents. Right. We don't we don't really want our kids to be our clones. Yeah. 
They need to developmentally, yeah, create their feel safe and secure or whatever, clear in their boundaries around who they are. Yeah, exactly. Right. And for your child is to say, this is what I want to do. Um, This is who I am, that we need to work on trying to respect that that's their boundary. That's who they are. And at a certain point, we no longer have the right to force them to be somebody else. Yeah. And again, like this is, if we don't, I mean, I think ultimately then we, you know, we risk losing the relationship or at least damaging it if we cannot respect other people's boundaries. And this goes for all people, not just our children, certainly. But, you know, if we get into a place where we are insisting, again, sort of at that extreme of being controlling and thinking that my needs are more important than somebody else's high way of doing things. That, that does not hold up. People aren't going to want to have a relationship with you if you're... It's My way of the highway. Yeah. yeah, or it's sort of contingent on them being... A certain way. Yeah, something that they're not. Somebody that they're not or, you know, doing things that, that don't uh, work for them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know that, yes, parenting, I, I think, brings up a lot for a, a lot of people in terms of boundaries, setting boundaries, but also what boundaries were either enforced or forced or not enforced at all on us growing up has impacts us as adults too, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I know we've, we've had some of those conversations too. I'm curious to talk to you more, sort of a, a little more in detail because I read your book. I was fortunate enough to get the galley copy of it and would love to have you talk a little bit about what your hopes were for the book and mm-hmm. Maybe even if there were certain things you'd like to share from the book that might be helpful for maybe Mm. people starting out on this journey of boundary setting. (laughs) Well, I think one thing is definitely that people who are struggling with boundaries, they're not alone. That this is, it's, it's common. A lot of people have difficulty with boundaries. So I hope that it is you know, maybe a little bit of, you know, destigmatizing around that and people don't feel such a sense of like that there's something personally wrong with them if this is something that's difficult for them. And and part of that, you know, I, I really talk about boundaries as a skill that people can learn. And often it is because nobody taught you how to do it. And that is obviously not your fault. If you grew up in a family that did not have healthy boundaries, there's a good chance you didn't learn how to set them. Yeah. Because we learn so much of this through observation. It's, I mean, it's very rare that parents are going to have a conversation with their children using the word boundaries. Now, there's probably conversations about rules or limits which is an element of it, but it tends to be a pretty one-sided conversation, right? And, you know, there's another side of it, which is for the child to also have the right to have boundaries. And often that doesn't happen. But anyway, you know, so so that's one piece of it, which is I hope that people will, will come away from the book not feeling like there's something wrong with them or they have done something wrong that has caused this this struggle for them. Yeah. And then the other thing, of course, is that I really hope that people gain some of those practical skills that they need, because that's what we're really looking for is, you know, to, ha- to have so the shift. behavior. 
paid, yeah. right? To, yeah. to actually know how to do it yeah. and to feel confident. And that's why I like writing workbooks because they are, they're action oriented. They are, they're actual steps and exercises for people to do that I think is important beyond just reading about something and understanding why you're doing it or again, feeling some, some sense of, okay, I'm not alone in this, but then there's of course, what everybody's really looking for is, well, what the heck do I do? How do I solve this problem? Yeah. Right. And that's where you walk through, you know, some of the very specific steps in the book. There are a lot of communication skills and tips for people to really think about how they are delivering their boundaries so that they are most likely to be heard, understood, accepted, mm-hmm. well-received, right? That's definitely a component is we need to think about how we're setting the boundaries. And then there's, the, well, what boundaries do I set? Yes. And the, the other thing that I talk a lot about in the book is making the distinction between When do we need to ask somebody else for something as part of our boundaries? Again, you know, if that's I need to ask for help or I need to ask somebody to stop doing something that's hurtful to me or uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. And what what are the places where I'm the one who needs to make the change? And again, this gets back to what we talked about at the beginning is recognizing that We can't always get other people to make the changes, even if they're very reasonable changes in in our opinion, things that feel important to us. There are going to be situations where you are dealing with somebody who is not interested in changing their behavior. They aren't going to compromise. They don't understand your point of view, even if you use all those great communication skills. And then you need to figure out, well, what is it that I can do? Because this is the other thing that is, I really hope people come away feeling like they're not helpless in these situations. I was thinking of the word empowerment, right? To give ourselves the power to... Right, because when we set up our boundaries so that we need somebody else to change in order for us to feel safe or to be satisfied or, you know, get our needs met, we have now you know, sort of given all that power to somebody else to decide whether I can be okay. Right. Right. And if it's a relational situation where that's going to happen, that may be okay. But like I said, there are going to be situations where it's not going to be possible. And I don't want people to think then I'm backed into a corner and I'm just going to have to deal with this bullying behavior or this uncomfortable situation or this overloaded schedule. Yeah. So, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, trying to see where you have choices and where you have power. Mm. And that doesn't mean you're going to like all of the choices. But <laughs> it's important to realize that you have choices. Yeah. Because as, as things shift, some of those choices may become options you want to exercise, even if they're not the ideal solution to the situation. Yeah. But I still, like I said, I think there's a lot of good that can come from trying to frame your boundaries as, you know, what changes can I make to get my needs met in this situation? Because that's where you're most likely to have success. Yeah, yeah. And that I, speaking from personal experience, that can kind of be scary too, because maybe 
and this isn't all the time, but sometimes the choices might be, for instance, uh, you suggested bullying or, or relationships where you feel your needs are never being met. Maybe that might mean the choice is to step away from that relationship or limit involvement. And that can be scary and hard. And especially if it's family or somebody we feel close to, but also I think what's been hard for me and what I've worked with on with other clients too, is that, that your needs do matter though. Like it's not okay to keep getting hurt or being disappointed or well, or abused, you know, outrightly abused. Like that's that you deserve to take care of yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's another really important piece of it. That is, it's a struggle for folks who really don't feel like their needs matter. And again, I mean, usually we can trace this back to the way that we grew up in situations where that was the experience that we had is that nobody was interested in our needs or they were dismissed. Yeah. Or we were shamed for ignored. Or, yep. Yes. Shamed. That's another one for sure. Yeah. Right. Then, then we come into our adult relationships with the mindset of I shouldn't need anything. Or if I do, I'm not going to ask for it because what's the point? Nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll be disappointed, right? Yeah, Yeah. I'll be disappointed. You know, my job is to take care of everybody else's needs. And again, I think that's a a big one for for women in particular is feeling like we should sacrifice our own needs because, you know, your kids' needs, your spouse's needs, everybody else's needs, your parents' needs is is more important. And then it becomes, oh, well, maybe if there's anything left over for me, you know, I'll do something for me, but let's be honest, there's really not much left over. Yeah. Yeah. When we're giving, Mm -hmm. giving, giving, giving. Yeah. 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 And the only way that's going to change is if we make a concerted effort to recognize that we are important. We do have value and not just in what we can do for other people or whether we're sort of quote unquote productive or not, but just because we are human beings and everybody has worth and everybody deserves to be safe and to be their own person and not feel, you know, smothered, pressured and hurt by other people. You know, and it seems like such a, a fundamental thing that everybody should know that, but it's not right. And that that's tough. And, you know, there are some exercises in that book as well that the talk about trying to understand and develop a a sense of self-worth and an understanding that needs are are universal they're not specific to you or sort of a failing you know that if you need rest it's because you've done something wrong this is just the human experience is that we we need things like rest we need things like connection to other people we need fun all kinds of things that are true for everybody. And so there's nothing wrong with having those needs. Yeah. I mean, there's a meme that floats around on social media every once in a while. That's like, just because you have needs doesn't mean you're needy because we come to see that word needy as this very negative. uh, That's how I feel like that. Yeah. Needy has this negative connotation yet everybody has needs, right? We all have needs. And 
having needs isn't a bad thing. Right, right. And I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that's sort of a message that we've gotten uh, that there's something wrong with needing something from from other people. Um, yeah, yeah. But on the other side, I mean, you can think about just how lonely and isolating life would be if we didn't need anything, right? I mean, if you could yes. truly be completely independent, I don't think that'd be a satisfying life either. Mm-mm. Because Mm-mm. why would you either you be in connection with other people? The connection is the give and take. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious, you know, I know we've talked about feeling more empowered in your life and the benefits of learning how to set boundaries and maintaining them can bring some positive aspects to your life. Besides feeling more empowered, are there other things that you would highlight that open up for people when they do begin setting boundaries in a more consistent way? Mm. I think it really hits so many different pieces or areas of our life. One is definitely the relationships that we have and the potential for us to have more satisfying and, you know, I guess what we would sort of call healthier relationships, more, you know, mutually respectful mm-hmm. relationships where there is that, that give and take. Often people, especially when they're sort of in a place of struggling with their boundaries, what's happening is they're trying to set boundaries and it leads to conflict. So it feels like this is like it almost doesn't make sense when we say, oh, you'll have better relationships (laughs) when you can set boundaries, because that's not what people are experiencing. They're like, this is just leading to fights and yelling at each other. And so it's better if I don't set boundaries, I'll just keep my mouth shut, right? Then at least there's peace. But I, you know, I would ask people to really think about whether that is a satisfying relationship for you if you feel like you just need to keep your mouth shut and not set any limits with somebody. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's actually a satisfying relationship. It's sort of getting over this hump, though, of being able to know how to set the boundary in a way that, it, you know, somebody else can hear that and is likely to to be able to meet your needs. And the other aspect of it is you might think of boundaries as, you know, expectations in relationships. Mm. And when, you know, when we're setting boundaries, what we're doing is we're being clear about what we expect also. And I think when you frame it like that, it makes a little bit more sense. If I have clear expectations, there is less conflict. There's less disappointment. Sometimes if you think about this, maybe in like a work situation, it's, it makes a little bit more sense to people. You think about if your boss is very clear about what your job duties are, what you're expected to do when you're you know supposed to do it, you have a, you know, a chance of doing that, right? You can live up to those expectations because you know what they are, or you can work on compromise and negotiating different expectations, Mm-hmm. Um, but when we don't know what's expected of us, it's very hard um, to meet those expectations. And, and it sort of inevitably leads to not meeting somebody's expectations. And then there's disappointment and there's arguments and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so that's that's one way that, you know, relationships can be improved. And then I think the the other thing is really our overall health, physical health and emotional health. Because boundaries are such a 
you know, a strong component of, of self-care in the sense that they are how we take care of ourselves, both physically, right, as we've been talking about, sometimes it's like, I need to go to bed on time, you know, that's sort of a boundary that I set for myself, or I not, I need to not take on too many work projects so that I don't get overrun and maybe get sick, right? Those are ways that it impacts our physical health, mm-hmm. right? But then then certainly our emotional health is involved in this, right? We've been talking a lot about resentment and feeling overwhelmed, depleted, and those are, are guilty. Um, those are all feelings that are distressful for us, mm-hmm. right? Or we might feel a lot of anxiety or again, that hopelessness, right? So there's all these elements that, that if we can kind of get our boundaries in line and, and working better for us, we're going to experience less of those sort of negative feelings. Yeah, yeah. more positive mental health, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole expectations piece is so, well, all of it feels really super important. But I think one thing that I just wanted to mention was like, too, with expectations, I can go into a conversation about my needs with expectations about what the other person is going to do, but that might not happen. Like Mm -hmm. I, I can ask for those needs to be met. And if I'm expecting, if I'm, even if I'm not being clear that they're going to know what I need and that doesn't happen, then I get resentful. I know we talked about that, but Mm -hmm. but just that, that there's such a connection between the resentment and the expectations that really, like, if I'm not being clear about what it is I need and what my expectations are, how can anybody else meet them versus also me knowing what's expected of me? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a two way street because right. If I'm in a relationship with somebody, I want to try to meet their expectations. That's not to say that I can all of the time or I should, because again, especially in close relationships, there should be a space for this compromising and negotiating about what the expectations are so that we are coming to an agreement where, you know, we both say, yes, I can meet that expectation most of the time. Yeah. But so often the expectations just go unsaid. It's just something that's in my head. And then I'm kind of in this, like, thinking you should just know, you should read my mind and know what I expect. Cause to me, it seems completely logical and makes perfect sense. Of course, that's the, what the expectation You've is. You've known me for 15 years. You should know what I'm thinking. And <laughs> it, it never fails to surprise me like how different we are as people. Again, yes, even if you've been in a relationship with somebody for a long, long time, Yes. That just how different, you know, we are in terms of our expectations and the way that we do things and what we think is important. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people, I think it feels like you have to over communicate and mm. you know, that might be a helpful way to think about it because yeah. we really go through life. I think assuming that people understand a lot about who we are and what we need and what's going on with us without actually putting it into words. And if we can, you know, really sort of, you have to tap into it for yourself before you, before you can communicate it to somebody else, you have to know what it is. And again, that's something that's not, not necessarily easy because it's 
it's just obvious you know, to me that that's what should be done. Yeah. I have to really recognize that consciously in order to then communicate it to somebody else. Um, and re- right, and recognize that that may not might not be obvious to them, and that's not, not because there's anything wrong with them. It's just we're different people. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sharon, I just want to thank you once again for being so willing to come on the podcast and talk to us about boundaries, but just sharing your experience too. It's so helpful to have, I think, personal, relatable stories that help help others recognize, yeah, that they're not alone, that this is a hard place to be and take some practice. And I'm hopeful that your new book will give people even more direction and help in this area. But when is the new book available and how are people going to find it and you? Yes, you can order a copy now. Nice. So that's very exciting. And Folks can find me at my website, which is livewellwithsharonmartin.com. And there they can, you know, kind of find all the different things that I've got going on. Yeah. Info on the book. And there's a, I've got a um, free quick quiz um, that people can take about boundaries too, to help them figure out, you know, sort of what area um, they need to work on, what sort of element of of boundaries is, is needing their attention. Nice. Awesome. Well, I will provide links in the show notes so that people can either pre-order it or order it. And uh, thanks to your website too. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music by Andy Cush, sound editing by Laura Disler, and show notes by Kathy Cush. If you'd like more information about me, BizCush, and the resources shared today, go to awakenyourwisewoman.com.